We are looking together at impact, the power of a significant life. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and we've got a couple of weeks left as we look at how to have an impact on the world around us. We've been using Newton's cradle to kind of help us with that and how one person can have such an impact on others around them that their lives are actually changed and enhanced and made better because of the influence of one person, the power of influence. Well, as we, as we look at that, we have uh, also been memorizing together Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let me ask you to read that with me again this week. Those of you who have it memorized already, uh, you close your eyes and make sure your neighbor sees your eyes closed so they can see that you've got it memorized, all right? Let's try this. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others, not so that you can get attention, not so that people can say what a great guy you really are. You let your light shine before others so that they'll see those good deeds and glorify your father who made it possible for you to do those good deeds. Glorify your father who is at work through you. Your goal is to to bring glory to him. When it talks about let your light shine, You know, usually we think of a candle. And the reason I think of a candle is because that's what Jesus was describing when he said you don't don't light it and hide it under a bushel and all that. But another way to think of let your light shine is like a flashlight. You know the difference? You light the candle and everybody can kind of see the candle. You go into the dark room, your attention is drawn to the candle. Flashlight is completely different. When you turn on a flashlight, you don't look at the flashlight, do you? You look at where the light is shining. Let your light shine in such a way that you shine light on God, that you bring glory to Him. Let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they don't say, man, you're a pretty flashlight. No, instead, when they see your good works, it directs their attention to God Almighty and it brings Him glory. That's our goal, to have an impact on our community, to have an impact on the world around us. And toward that end, we've been looking at how to make that happen. And we we first talked about the power of belief. It is in the power of belief that all this starts. If we can make sure that Our lives are based on biblical beliefs. Then we can find therein the opportunities that we need to have an impact on the world around us. We can have a a significant life if our beliefs are established correctly, if they are based in biblical truth. And then we talked about the power of compassion. If I have the right beliefs, it doesn't matter if I don't care about the people around me. But once I have the right beliefs, if I have compassion on those around me, then I'm going to want to do something. If I have compassion on those around me, I see their needs, and I'm going to want to get involved and do something to have an impact in their lives. And then we talk about the power of generosity. The power of generosity says instead of depending, instead of looking for what I can get for me, I'm going to start thinking about what others need 
and how I can meet those needs. That's how I'm going to have an impact on the world around me. So many people don't live significant lives for one simple reason. Many people don't live significant lives for one simple reason, and that is that they are sitting back and saying to their community and their nation and the world, what are you going to do for me? The people who have significant lives are saying to their community, how can I help you? What can I do to serve those around me? That is the power of a significant life. And it is founded in the power of belief, the power of, of uh, generosity, and the power of compassion. And this morning, I want us to look at another, another very important part of, of impact, a very important part of living a significant life. And it's, it's what we might call the power of team, the power of team. And to help us uh, look at the power of team, we're eventually going to wind up in Acts chapter 2. If you're going to have a real impact, it requires that you have people around you to support you, to encourage you. If you're going to be strong enough to actually impact the world around you, you need to be surrounded by people who are going to enhance that strength, who are going to support you, who are going to help guide you, help teach you, help, help encourage you along the way. Jesus only had three years to conduct his ministry. Have you ever really thought about that? Look at all that Jesus accomplished. And he did it in three years. We know absolutely nothing about Jesus' life between his age 12 and age 30. We, have, we don't have any record of anything that took place between 12 and 30. Everything in the Gospels that tell us how he did his ministry, how he, how he got the entire kingdom of God introduced to the world, took place in three short years. I got through, I got through kindergarten faster than that. It took me two years to go through kindergarten, but I did it. Three years. How do you do that? How do you introduce the entire kingdom of God? How do you heal that many sick? How do you teach the multitudes? How do you raise all those who were dead? How do you bring sight to the blind? How do you heal the leper? How do you begin a whole way of life that would eventually sweep the entire earth? And how do you establish a kingdom that will last on this earth until the end of time and then be fully realized for all eternity? How do you do all of that? How was his good news about all of that going to get out to the world? Simple. He put together a team. He put together a team. Don't say committee. It was a team. He gathered together a team. Now, now what kind of team must it have been to, to help establish a kingdom, to help the whole world find out about the good news of Jesus Christ, about, about how we can have abundant life and eternal life? What kind of great team must he put together? Is a few fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, and a bunch of other 
guys that nobody had ever heard of. You see, the power of team is not found in the superstar player. The power of team is found in the essence of team work, the essence of being together. The power of team happens when individuals work together toward a common goal. And in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, Jesus' disciples are referred to those as, are referred to as those who turned the world upside down. Now, when that comment was made, it wasn't really, it wasn't really a, a, a compliment. This, these were from their enemies. And they dragged this guy in. They said, he's with those people who turn the world upside down. But my goodness, how do you start with 12 guys, one of whom is a complete traitor, and the others have no training at all? How do you start with basically 11 real guys and turn the world upside down? Isn't that amazing? happens with the power of team. How do I develop my team? How do I make an impact on my community through that team? Well, to help us figure that out, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Those of you who, uh, those of you who have it on your phone or your, uh, your iPad, uh, just Find Acts chapter 2, and we're going we're gonna to hang out there most of the time. Those of you who still like the pages, just open it up to Acts chapter 2, because all of the, everything we're going to look at today is going to come out of this section. So you just look at Acts chapter 2, and I want us to begin at verse 42. Acts chapter 2 at verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. How do you turn the world upside down? How, how do you develop a team that is so strong that it can change the world? You develop that kind of team in this way. They continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The original 12 turned into 120, and that's the group that this is talking about at first. 120, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. You know the story. The Holy Spirit came down and, and basically gave birth to the church. He he, the Holy Spirit, instead of working outside of believers, now came inside believers. He basically fired up the church. There were only 120 at that time. And now, now the, the church is growing so quickly that they're able to turn the world upside down. Verse 43, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. 
day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's how God's team works. So how can I develop my team? How how do I make an impact on my community through my team? Well, number one, I fully engage with my church. The first thing that I can do to be a part of this kind of team that makes a a, a difference in the world around me is, is I fully engage with my church. I understand that I'm part of a team it means I'm bigger than, than or I'm part of something bigger than myself. I'm part of a team. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him, then he created something new in you as soon as you trusted him. So we celebrated in baptism. He created something new in you. And when he created something new in you and the Holy Spirit came into your life, he adopted you into his family. It was never God's plan. It was never a part of Jesus' plan for any one of us to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You were adopted into a family You have been placed into a church, a body of Christ on purpose. You're part of something bigger than you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a part of the team. And so he said they were continually devoting themselves. In verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves. If you, have the pay, if you still use the paper pages and you don't mind writing in your Bible, I would circle the word devoted. That's the point of the verse. I'm devoting myself. That's how it worked. Each one was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Our, this, this room right here helps us understand those first two things. They were every one of them devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's this place right up here. That's the pulpit, the Bible, to the teaching. But they were also devoting themselves to the fellowship. And that's right here. That's us. That's the body. That's next door neighbor. That's the guy on your left and the lady on your right. That's the brother and sister who's a part of the family, a part of the fellowship. They did not just show up on Sunday morning to listen to some guy until it was lunchtime. They devoted themselves to the teaching, but they also devoted themselves to the fellowship, to one another. They understood that church was about sharing life, not just about showing up for religious activities. And it wasn't just something they did, they devoted themselves to it. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Now, in this verse, I think breaking of bread probably is the Lord's Supper. It's talking about communion. It's talking about those times that we share together in a way that we cannot experience on our own, but we share it together and, to, and committing the, ourselves to pray for one another is there as well. And let me tell you something. If you're not, if you're not a member of our church, I want just simple invitation. You are hereby officially invited to join the team. If you're not a member, we'd love to have you come and be a member, be a part of the team. But understand, when you join the team, you're part of a team and we all work together. If you are already a member, I, I, I want to just encourage you to think about your role. Be able to say, this is my church. This is my home. And I'm committed to this team. Put me in, coach. I want to have an impact. I don't want to just show up, pay my dues, and sit through a service and go home feeling like I'm a good churchgoer. Fully engage with my church in order to build a team that's going to make a difference in the world around me. In Romans chapter 12, it says, So in Christ we, though many, form one body. You're familiar with that. We talk about that all the time. The church is the body of Christ, and each one of us is a member of that body. But look at the, look at the last part there. And each member belongs to all the others. If you're a part of the body of Christ... Let's say you're the hand. If the hand is over there by itself, that hand is not doing anybody any good. You belong to all the others. You belong in the body. And when the hand is in its place doing its thing, the body is strong and healthy. Working as a team, we're able to accomplish those things that God has called us to accomplish. I fully engage with my church. The second thing I can do in order to build a, a strong team and to have to experience the power of that team in influencing the world around me, the second thing I can do is I commit to grow with my church family. I commit to grow with my church family. We have a lot of coaches in our church, and if you ask any one of them, the, the most important activity that their teams engage in. I'll bet you that to a coach, I'll bet, I'll bet every one of those coaches will tell you it has more to do with practice than it does the game. The most important activity is the practice. It's in practice that we hone our skills and that we work as a team that we learn how to get along, how to work together, that we learn everybody has his or her role. We learn what those roles are and how they work together. It is in practice that the team becomes stronger. You don't want to have just a stagnant faith. You don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to stay where you are spiritually year after year, decade after decade. You want to be growing in Christ. 
You want to be getting stronger in your walk. You want to be learning more and more about what God has in store for you. And the way that happens is in practice. It's when we get together as a team on a regular basis and we help one another grow. We, we work together. One of the purposes of church is to help you grow in your faith. And so Acts chapter 2 says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Have you ever noticed that? They didn't have church once a week at 1015. Every day they went to church. Now, I'm not saying we need to do that. I don't want to any more than you do. But, there's, but there was that commitment to growing together as a church family. Every day they met together in temple courts. And then notice they broke bread in their homes. Now earlier, breaking bread referred to communion together. Now this is how we see the same concept used just to mean a meal. One of the things that the early church did that made them a powerful team that turned the world upside down one of the things they did was they got together in each other's homes and had a meal together on a regular basis. That fellowship, that sharing of life is so important. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, we worship in a larger group and they would do that every day, but then they also met in small groups in their homes. They'd share a meal and they'd share life. Friends, I, if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to get in a life group before this month is over and that's not very long. Every one of us needs to be in a life group. We worship in a large group, but we, we grow in a small group. We share life together in a life group. That's what we need to be about. In that life group, we discuss the Bible. We learn to apply the Bible. We ask real questions. We share life. We take care of each other. And that's where your faith really begins to come alive. And while we're on this, let me just tell you, I've been a part of the same life group for a number of years now. And many of those folks are in the room today, so I'm going I'm to take just a little bit of a chance here. But I'm going to tell you, I've been in this, a part of the same life group for many years. And we are just now reaching the point where we're experiencing what a life group can, all, can, can, can be. We're just now reaching that because we have stayed together and worked together until we could get to that point where we're really sharing life and being honest and real with each other. You come to a life group once, twice, and you say, well, my life's not different. I don't have any more time for it if it's not going to change me. Two problems. One, it ain't about you. And two, it takes a whole lot more of an investment. It takes time. You build that experience over time. The team has to show up for practice day in 
and day out before they can ever start to win games on the field. It's the power of team as I commit to grow with my family. The third thing that that will help me develop the team that I need to be able to impact the world around me, I faithfully care for my church family. I faithfully care for my church family. I I, I get my team together, but then I actually care about them as well. A big part of being a team is that you care for your teammates and they care for you. A good team is in it together. When you win, I win. When you lose, I'm there hurting right along with you. That's what this experience is about. In In that great chapter, Acts 2, At verse 45, it says they were selling all their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They were making sacrifices to take care of one another. It's not about what you get. It's about what can we give, what can we sacrifice for one another, what can we share in this life so that we become a strong team. Don't sit around waiting for the church to connect you with others. It doesn't work. Instead, get connected. Find ways to get to know people, to find out about their lives, to share their joys and burdens, to take care of them. How do you do that? One is you just start talking to people. Two, you want to connect into a life group or a, 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 a Sunday morning Bible study and you don't know where to go or what to do, all you have to do is call the church office and ask for Todd. Todd's the answer guy. He'll find you the right spot. You take the initiative, though, as part of that growing experience. You take the initiative. Call Todd and say, Find me a spot. Help me get connected. Help me be a part of the team. I want to play. I faithfully care for my church family. You know what I have found? Life group members are the first responders when we're hurting or in need. The first line, the front line, made up of my life group members. I hope you're not missing out on that. I faithfully care for my church family. The fourth thing that I can do to develop this team that's going to have an impact on the world around me, I can make a difference with my church family. if, if If I can just wrap my brain around this, one person can have an impact. You're exactly right. But you notice that one person is having a dramatic impact on one over here. What happens when two work together? There's a bigger impact over here. What happens when three work together? There's a bigger impact over here. You see, that's the power of team. Can you go out there and, be, and let your light shine and make a difference in the world? You bet. But imagine 
the change. Imagine the impact that you can have when you've got a whole team going out and working together to impact your community. Beloved First Baptist Church of West has been here 160 years. 160 years. And if we don't continue to have an impact on this community for the next 160 years or until Jesus comes back, we have failed. It's not about what the folks before us did. It's about this church's role, the reason we're here, the reason we've been here 160, the reason that we're going to continue to work hard is because we as a church are intended to impact this community. Our budget should show it. Our plans should show it. Our commitment to one another should show it. We're here to impact this community. And if we don't keep doing that for the next 160 or until Jesus comes back, we failed. Because it's the power of team. Together, we do more. I make a difference with my church family. And so they were able to say it toward the end of that section that we read. They were able to say the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And very quickly, the 12, which had become 120, the 120 then very quickly became 3,000, and the 3,000 very quickly became five, and then it went throughout the rest of the world. And you're here because that team did their job. Now it's our turn. 